Hey, look at you guys, the 1030 service. Wow. You got to sleep in a little bit this morning. How about that? Man, y'all showed up with joy. Let me just tell you, to celebrate this momentous day, if you don't know, because some of you showed up early for church for your very first time ever, we want to congratulate you by, uh, when you exit today, you can go to the sugar boards, sugar and boards that are set up in the horse trailer out there, and they've got, just for you, chocolate caramel uh, pretzels that um, they're delicious. They're so incredible. Uh, and you can watch the Dallas Cowboys lose today, but at least it's going to taste good in your mouth. That was horrible. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Hey, this Wednesday, everybody say this Wednesday. Trey Johnson is going to be here. Uh, for those that know Trey, you love him. Trey's a great roper, incredible roper, a PRCA roper. But Trey is really known uh, for his ability to uh, teach the Word of God. And he is, he is a Bible scholar like you've never been around, full of wisdom, a little bit younger than me, and we've known each other since college age. Heather and I and, the, and, 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 and Trey and his, the, the whole college crew back in the day, we would go travel together, and um, I did the college rodeo ministries in New Mexico and Arizona, and Trey and Corey Ross did them in Texas, and um, he's just been one of my favorite teachers. And, and if you're, like, hungry for the Word, and I just really encourage you to show up on Wednesday. Drop your youth off at youth. Come here on Wednesday night. And um, I tell you what, the youth are going to be in here with us. And it's going to be fantastic. Trey Johnson, this Wednesday. We're in a series here at Cowboy Jesus. Oh, one more thing. By the way, two services. Did anybody, are you wondering if anybody showed up this morning at 8.30? We had 200 people show up this morning at the 8.30 service. Look around. We have seats now in this service. Isn't this amazing? How cool. Tyler's patting them. He's saying, you can come sit by me. Huh, Tyler? That's right. That's right. Welcome. We're in a series called Family Culture, and we're learning how to counter the culture that we are living in to develop the culture that God wants us in. And every week, I'm bringing in a new family culture, something that I truly believe, and I want you to get this, every family of God can have. This is possible. This is doable. This is experienceable, and I'm, this is a wonderful moment to realize that we just don't stumble through life. We are intentional with the paths that we choose, and family culture, and knowing what family is in God's kingdom, and the culture that we can have, that's what we've been studying. Today, I'm going to give you something that comes straight from a culture environment found in scripture. But to kick it off, I want to start off with a sentence. And I want you to hear this statement that I say at the very beginning, and I want you to chew on it, but I want you to really listen to your first reaction when you hear what I'm about to show you. Are you ready? Here we go. Almost all of society's toxic problems can be solved with good parenting. Y'all may need to take a picture of this, remind yourself. This may be your screensaver for the whole week, okay? And it's something I truly wholeheartedly believe in. After preparing this message, getting it ready, this was kind of, okay, it's ready to go. 
But you know what? After preparing this message, just in my spirit, I felt like almost all of society's toxic problems can be solved with good parenting. I stand by this. I believe in this. Now, the reason why I, want to check, I wanted you to check your first reaction is that if you have experienced a counterculture in your own life, a, 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 a family culture, a, a kingdom culture, you have realized that you needed a Savior and you accepted Christ as your Savior. You are not the same person you used to be. And now you begin to walk in God's purpose and God's plan and His Spirit. You recognize, and no doubt, this is so true. And you would amen this. This is, this is an amenable statement. But let me, just, let me just look at the other group of people. If you're reading this, and as we read it, you thought, crap, I wish I'd have heard that 50 years ago. I wish I could do things differently in my family. I just want to stop you. And one of the worst things that can happen if you hear this, if you feel condemnation, and I just want to turn to you and tell you that whatever it is that you think you lost or you wish you would have done it differently, if you would make a decision today to hear what God is saying about his culture and his path and the family culture that you can have that he wants to show you and you choose to step into the light and you choose to step into the spirit of the living God and follow him, I promise you this, whatever the devil stole from you all those years, he'll replace seven times fold. He'll replace it seven times fold, seven times blessing. Scriptures begin to come alive hearing that your latter years will be better than your former years. You won't lose a step. You won't have anything. You can, you can use your bad choices and bad parenting or bad whatever, um, bad family culture, as a testimony of the goodness of God when you decided to make his culture your culture and to choose to follow him. And I will tell you, God will bless you seven times whatever the enemy stole, even in your latter days. And, and I truly believe that we can counter culture by developing a culture from good parenting. And for all the young parents in the room, all the single people, they're like, I wanna be a good parent someday. Well, I do too. Put this in your quiver. Quiver's an arrow keeper, okay? And keep it in your quiver. Start developing a heart right now. I want my family culture to be a Jesus-following culture. And today, we're going to dive into what I truly feel is a dire family culture. If you're wondering how do we see our kids, how do we see marriages, how do we see our life full of the life and the light that is in our Christ Jesus, the culture of the fruit of the Spirit is a mandatory, over-the-counter conversation that we need to have. Now, if you grew up in church and you're like, ooh, fruit of the Spirit, yeah, you probably have heard this before. If you've never heard this before, the fruit of the Spirit is what Paul refers to is when we allow the spirit of the living God to lead us, to guide us, to be immersed in the spirit of God, we will find that just like fruit naturally appearing on a tree, on a bush, on a vine, it just naturally shows up when it's in a good environment. Fruit is just obvious. 
the same thing will take place in your life, your family, your marriage, your kiddos, and go down the list. It's not fake fruit. It's this, in fact, church mentality would just say, hey, you need to be patient, and you need to be kind, and you need to be this. And then we go out and we try to do it, and it comes out a little fake. It comes out a little phony, and we get frustrated, and sometimes we give up. And that's not what we're looking for, fake fruit. We're looking not even concerned about the fruit, but to be planted in the spirit of the living God, and his fruit just grows naturally. And that's totally possible for your family. Can you imagine in your family, if you didn't have to have a list of rules, you just, the, the rule, we are led by the Spirit. Have you prayed about it? What did God say? It, what was the conviction? Did you feel God's push? And all of a sudden, when these conversations begin to take place in a family, you don't need a list of rules in your family. We have the Spirit of the living God tugging on our hearts, leading us, guiding us, directing us, and it's not just the parents. It can be every individual in a family. And when our culture is the fruit of the Spirit, you will know what to do, when to do it. Your kids will know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Your, 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 your kids' kids will know how to do, what to do, when to do, and, and the attitude in doing it. And it is something you sit back in an amazement that it didn't come with a list of rules. It came from our family has a culture of the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul has a lot to say about this. In Galatians chapter 5, there's a lot. Let me just tell you, this may be your chapter for the week. Galatians chapter 5 is a deep, rich study. And it should be. I have several books in my, in my library that just really break down everything in Galatians because it is a church family meal, okay? And Paul says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit. This is him turning to us. He's writing to the church of Galatia and he goes, guys, you know what? I say that we need to walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Interesting phrase at the end here. So we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit but Paul brings up the lust of the flesh. In your life, you only have two decisions. I don't know if you knew this. Life is actually a lot simpler than you might think it is. If you would start paying attention and looking at, oh, really? It actually is. Am I going to choose to walk in the Spirit or am I going to walk in the flesh? Am I going to walk in the Spirit or am I going to walk in the flesh? I would challenge you this, every decision you need to make, how are you going to go to work tomorrow, how are you going to talk to people, how are you going to address that person, are you going to walk in the spirit or are you going to walk in the flesh? Paul writes on, he says this, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, but then he says this, and the spirit against the flesh. This word lusts is a way that the flesh in you craves, desires your will, your way, and your kingdom, and it will actually fight the kingdom of God trying to work inside of you. This is the power of the lust of the flesh. He goes on and says, but the spirit, the spirit of the living God will actually fight against the lust of the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. I mean, you can't live in both worlds. There's no gray area. 
You have to choose one or the other. And Paul's writing this letter to get the church of Galatia to develop the culture of walking in the Spirit of God so that you do not do the things that you wish. Paul goes on. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And once again, sometimes we think good parenting is we got to make good rules. But how many of you made rules only to set the limits that your kids can learn how to get really close to the line? And some dab in it and some come off. Paul says this, if we're led by the Spirit, there doesn't need to be lines. It doesn't give you permission to do anything you want. When we're led by the Spirit, we follow the Lord and naturally, like fruit on a tree, make the decisions that bring life, but not just life, but life more abundantly. Everything I'm telling you sounds like, hey, this, gosh, it just sounds really spiritual. It's actually really easy. Let's try to put it in some layman's terms. If you just follow the Lord, you'll end up doing the right thing. Does that sound easier to understand? And so Paul is trying to cultivate this and develop it. And he goes on and he says this. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Um, for us, some of us, they seem to be oblivious to the evident of the works of the flesh. And so Paul is about to give us a list, okay? And he even talks about the, oblivi- uh, the obviousness of it. He goes on and he says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. It's obvious, guys. And to every one of us, it is obvious. It is obvious that we are not walking in the Spirit, but we're walking in the flesh. It is obvious that the, the choices we've made haven't led to the greatness of God. And we have to be honest. And so we're about to have a very honest moment, okay? I don't know how you're going to do this, but let me just say how it popped up in my mind as I was preparing this message. I just want you to kind of sit in your seat with closed fists, okay? Don't let those around you see it. Kind of sit on your hands if you have to. If you've got a notepad out and it looks like you're taking notes, just I want you to keep score here in a minute, okay? Just go to the top of your page, and I want you to make a line because what's about to happen is Paul's about to go down the list of the obviousness of people's reaction towards an action of the flesh what comes out of a fleshly nature what comes out of the old me nature what comes out of the dead me nature not the alive in christ not the walking in the spirit not the living in jesus but what is the obvious and so here's what i want you to do in some form or fashion with this list paul's about to give I want you to just kind of go, okay, that one was me. Oh, that one was me too. <laughs> okay, that one's my wife. You raised, you're good. That's a good, excellent. Okay, that one was me. <laughs> okay, and I don't want you to just skip through these. At the end of it, and this isn't for the world to see. I just want you to be a participant today to see if at the end of this, you have more evidence of flesh or maybe your family never knew we could walk in the spirit and we're gonna get in the spirit we're gonna talk about the things that the spirit of God produces but this gets our attention and it will actually cause the light to shine brighter when we look at what the darkness can really be are you ready 
buckle your seatbelt. Paul says, these things are the work of the flesh. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. Okay? A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Okay? Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. And Galatia had a real problem with this. They would pick up any god that would give them permission to be happy, to satisfy the flesh. And you may think, well, I don't do that either. And you've got to stop and think that so many of American gods today are there for our pleasure. And trinket gods are a lust and a desire for things that gratify, satisfy, and make me happy. Okay, Paul goes on. And he says, lust of the flesh is a magical, is a magic show religion. It means that we can stand up and pull rabbits out of the hat and do magic tricks. And Oh, do you like that one? Let me show you another one. Ta-da! Yeah. Ah! That was so dumb. I'm so sorry. Magic show religion. It's where we come in with a happy face. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And it's this poof, puff. My life's good. My life's good. And down deep, it is a struggle. It is a struggle. It is a struggle. And Paul says, a byproduct of our lust for the flesh is this magic show religion that we actually think we're getting closer to God. And down deep, we think, is this it? Paul says, paranoid loneliness is a lust of the flesh. Paul continues and says, a lust of the flesh is cutthroat competition. He goes on in this here in a minute, but he says, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants. I'm never happy. When am I going to be happy? I just want to be happy. Paul says a lust of the flesh, evident, would be a brutal temper. Ma'am, quit elbowing your husband. Please stop. (laughs) A lust of the flesh would be an impotence to love or to be loved. And that sounds crazy because I just want to be loved. I want to love. But when we have a lust of the flesh, we can never experience love in the way that God intended it to be, nor can you ever be loved. No one will make you happy. You will find fault in everyone. It will look like a Seinfeld episode where either his hands are too big or his feet are too small or his ears are too wide and his eyes are too crossed or his hair is too bald. Paul says it's a lust of the flesh and it's an impotence to love and to ever be loved. Paul goes on and he says, a lust of the flesh would be a divided home and divided lives. There's just no peace in this home. The only thing we know is how to fight. Lust of the flesh would be small-minded and lopsided pursuits. 
You chase after things that are so narrow-minded and so one-sided. A lust of the flesh would be something like the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. We make friends, and before long, they're our competition. We get new family members, and before long, we can't stand them. We have brothers and sisters and sisters and brothers, and before long, we have depersonalized them into our rival. And it's a sign of the lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh would be uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Paul goes on. And ugly, ugly parodies of community, ugly parodies of community, and Paul says, I could go on. I just hit the tip of the iceberg. I don't know how you scored just then, but this was a moment for all of us to hear, maybe I needed this more than I thought. Maybe I needed this more than I thought. Paul doesn't stop here. Paul says, but, but the fruit of the Spirit, which is a family culture, Every family member in your family could be this. Every person in your family could be encouraging in other family members this. Everyone could say, okay, listen, this is not our family culture. This is our family culture. And Paul then turns and says, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Okay, and here's what we're going to do. Everybody get your phones out. Everybody get your phones out. Feel comfortable, get your phones out, okay? And I want you to go to your clock, the little app that has the clock on it. And go to your timer, okay? And today, you're going to help me with my sermon. And you're going to help me by going to your timer and setting your timer for 2 minutes, 30 seconds. Because we're fixing to cover seven fruits of the Spirit. And I get 2 minutes, 30 seconds for each one to get you guys out on time. Come on, is this not good pastoring or what? Okay, don't set it yet. Please don't set it yet, okay? And, and, and we're going we're gonna to rip through here. And here's what I've, I was just praying, and I just felt like if I can't, I mean, the Holy Spirit can either talk to you or you're not interested. I could either speak 25 minutes on each one, but if your heart's not ready, it could be 25 minutes or 2 minutes, 50 seconds. I truly believe that I've prayed over this. I'm prepared. Holy Spirit is in this place. Wasn't worship great? Wasn't worship awesome? There's a new guy in the room going, how long does service go? It's fixed to be two minutes and 50 or 30 seconds for each one, okay? And this lets you know we're going to get out. But in this two minutes and 30 seconds, I tell you this, it could be two minutes and 30 seconds on your phone, but it could be a lifestyle of change. Not because you tried each one of these, but because each one of these came from your personal surrender, to the spirit of the living God living inside of you. So everybody get your phones. You ready? Two minutes, 30 seconds. On the, I'm going to go three, two, one, and you're going to hit start. And then when it goes off, and they're all going to go off together, okay? You're going to hit repeat, okay? Are you ready? Oh, really? Okay, maybe I'm more ready than you are. Are you ready? Yes. Set. Go. Okay, here we go. First one, love. A fruit of the spirit is love. And it's not the cheap love. It's not the kind of love where somebody says, I accept you. It's a deeper love. 
It's a love that Paul specifically brings out in 1 Corinthians, and listen to this definition. The kind of love where every family member is patient and kind. Every family member has love, and love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. And maybe we teach our kids how to be rude, and you've just taught them how to walk in their flesh. But the Spirit of God, when we walk in love, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, and it thinks no evil. Paul goes on and says, love does not rejoice in iniquity, but love does rejoice in the truth. This family doesn't walk in lies. This family walks in the Spirit of God, and we walk in the light. If there's a lie that we've brought into our family, we let the light point it out, and with love, we point it out and say, this family is going to walk in the truth. If we have to apologize, if we have to ask for forgiveness, we are going to accept truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures through all things. And Paul says this is completely different than the world kind of love that accepts all things. This is a deep love that a family can turn and say, love never fails. We don't sit back and believe all things in the form of we accept all things. It truly means that love in all things we never give up believing. Don't stop believing. That may have a completely different meaning in that song. But in this family, we can go through the hardest, most difficult times. And faith tells us to love even when it's hard to believe. Love has this amazing ability, amazing ability to comfort us and guide us and lead us some of you in this room have responsibilities, but if you walk in the flesh, your responsibilities will turn into a burden. Some of you in this room have responsibilities, and if you walk in the Spirit, you will find joy. 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 Paul, before we get into joy, we got to remember that love is full of all of these incredible, wonderful, awesome things. And one of the things you're going to learn to see is that love, if you truly love Hit repeat. It's this moment that we realize this family walks in love. Second one, we walk in joy. How is it that y'all have the same ringer? That's amazing. We walk in joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's a difference between happiness and joy. And if we're a family who's always looking for happiness, and we teach our kids how to look for happiness, they will never know the joy unspeakable and full of glory that God brains happiness is a flash in the pan but we tell our kids to have longevity stay connected work it out forgive communicate because in the end you will say thank god i did and joy lasts forever paul or james the half brother of jesus says this count it all come on help me out here count it all my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kind, really? When you go through a difficult time, count it all joy. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, staying power. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. 
perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, because we just don't run when things get hard. And we don't run when things get difficult. And I count it joy that my faith is being tested with trials and, and, and tribulations, because I am moving out of the comfort zone, and I am moving into the joy zone. And there will be a day in my life I will say, this is hard. This marriage is hard. And you can turn to your kids and say, marriage is hard. But there will be a day that you will say, thank God we didn't give up. Thank God we didn't quit. You will have college that will be hard. But in this family, we find joy. And it's hard right now, but one day you'll graduate baby cakes, and we're going to find that job you've been dreaming of. And it's going to be a day that you go, Thank you, God, I didn't give up. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Because if it's not good, God's not done. If it's not good, God's not done. Here we go. Peace. Peace. Your family culture can be peace. Maybe it's tribulation. Maybe you would say, well, in our family, we fight. We fight hard. Listen, there's things worth fighting for, and I think you may be fighting for the wrong things. Because there's a moment that you realize that when we have the Spirit of God leading us, and our family culture is, we don't make rules, we just follow the Spirit of God. It will lead us to peace that passes all understanding. Let me show you where that scripture is found. Philippians chapter 4, and this could be an amazing scripture memory verse. It was when I was a little boy, and my mom turned to me and she said, here's your new memory verse. I want you to remember this. And I remember, she said, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. One of the most dangerous things you can do for your kid is give them everything they want. And one of the greatest things you can ever do is say, I want you to start asking God for things. And they may think you're awful, but then one day they'll have joy. And that was the last point, okay? Because you taught them how to seek the Lord. And there will be things he says no to, but there will be those things he says yes to. And they will have the peace of passing all understanding because they let their requests be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. There's going to be times that your kids are going to get in trouble. I mean, they're going to get to school and they're not going to know what to do. And you're going to want to bail them out and help them. And you're going to go back and go, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. If I bail them out, I could be just gratifying their flesh, and they're going to have to trust God. And you're going to have to turn to them and say, kiddo, I love you, but I'm hanging up on you because you haven't prayed about this, you haven't sought the Lord, and you're really making me your God right now. And I can't carry that pressure. I taught you how to pray. I taught you what to say. I taught you where to go. And I want you to just know that God is there in the same way I cried out to him, you cried out to him. And our family culture is we don't fix each other's problems. We are there for each other. But we have the faith to be anxious for nothing. But in all things, through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, we make our requests be made known to God. And you know what happens? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. Love you. Bye. <laughs> you are a steward over your children. You are not your children's Jesus. Did you get that last part? Here we go. Next one. Patience. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It does not mean that you have to learn patience. It is actually a fruit that is naturally produced 
as you follow the spirit of the living God. When you turn to your kids and you go, you shouldn't have patience. Well, isn't that great? What if somebody told you that? You shouldn't have patience. When we develop a culture of the spirit of God, we follow Jesus. Do you believe that God's leading your path? Do you believe that you've led your life down? Do you believe that God's leading your life? Then give it time. Have some steadfastness. Be encouraged. Galatians chapter 8, verse 9 says this, and let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due, okay, say it again. For in due, you will reap. In due season, you will reap if we do not give up. Now, I really don't like it when parents teach their kids we don't quit. There's some things we got to quit. Listen, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if I start something, I need to quit something. Because I've been in that world where I started so many things and never quit anything. And life gets, God, man, you can run out of money quick. There's only 24 hours in a day. I believe in quitting, but I don't believe in giving up. And when we walk in the spirit and our family has developed the culture of, come on, we believe in you. Don't give up now. Don't give up now. Don't give up now. Wait and see that the Lord is good. Wait and see. Hey, don't grow weary in doing good. But you know what? In due season, at the right time, in the right moment, in the right specific God-ordained second, you'll reap what he promised. But we, we can't give up now. You can't give up on that job that you were praying for a couple years ago. You can't give up on that marriage. You can't give up on those kids. You can't give up on the calling that God has on you, the ministry God has on you. Yeah, it's been hard lately, but we can't grow weary when we're doing the work that God's called us to. And when a family has a culture of knowing, God put me here, God wants me here, I'm following his spirit, you'll always know what to do and you won't give up. And you will have the peace, okay? Yeah, don't go weary, doing good. Next one, kindness. Y'all are doing such an awful job keeping the time. Come on. The, the timers just keep dwindling, okay? It, it, this sermon's going to get long if you guys don't help me out here, okay? A fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Kindness. It's this ability to recognize that in this mere, very moment, what it's a great opportunity to act like Jesus. What a great opportunity to act like Jesus. They're wanting to stir our flesh. They're wanting to stir our emotions. They're wanting to pull us in a toxic conversation. They're wanting to gossip. What an awesome opportunity to act like Jesus. Families that develop a kindness culture turn to each other and go, hey, I heard everything you said, but you know what? You, what a great opportunity to act like Jesus. And the scripture says, Jesus says this. Yeah, Jesus says this. Hey, guys, and this is Jesus' words. But love your enemies and do good and lend, not expecting, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. Jesus says, will I not bless you? Your kindness will be seen and you will be sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful, he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil, which is Jesus' way of saying, this is his way 
that you will see that God is good and God is good all the time. And if God can be good to the ungrateful and the evil, you can too. Quick poll, is there anybody in the room that you would consider yourself to be ungrateful and evil? Every one of you should have just raised your hand. And we don't ever think it's us. We always think it's them. None of us deserve salvation. None of us deserve Jesus. And he was kind. And he came anyway. And if Jesus can forgive us our sins, we can forgive the world theirs. Man, this is preaching. This is good stuff right now. Some of you don't know what to do. Like, this is crazy. There's phones going off all over the place, and we're preaching a good message. Hold on, it's about to get good. You know how good? We're going to talk about goodness next. A fruit of the Spirit, just following the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I'm surrendered to you. Holy Spirit, I want to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me. A byproduct of someone with no rules, just a surrender to the Holy Spirit is goodness it just comes out how do you know what to do it just happens how do you know where to go it just happens how, how, how do you, what do you know what to say in a hard situation the holy spirit will give you exactly what to say and goodness will be all over your life people will turn to you and go how can you just tell you your kid's a good kid and you won't turn to them and say the lust of the flesh Oh, it's my parenting. It's my parenting. Spanked the living snot out of those kids. Whipped them, whipped them, whipped them, whipped them. It's, come. There's somebody in the room going, wait, we weren't supposed to do that? No. You, can you imagine turning to their teacher and going, let me be honest with you. Our family hadn't always been good. But can I tell you what made that kid good? We just started following Jesus. Amen. It changed my life, and then it changed theirs. And one of the things that we do in our family is we have a family culture of we're led by the Spirit of God. And this kid picked up on it quick. In fact, he convicts me half the time. And it's beautiful. Can you imagine, instead of you bragging on your parenting, you start giving God the glory because goodness is happening in your family. Let me show you scripture. Galatians, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I can't tell you how many parents have come to me and said, my kid did something the other day that was just so strange. He knew what to do. He knew how to do it. He took care of a situation. He just did what was right and good. And we had, as parents, nothing to do. He didn't come in the house going, this happened to me in school. And we had to set up a student-teacher meeting, and we had to do this. Good just happened. It just happened. It can happen in your family because it becomes your culture. We're doing great. You're doing great. Here we go. Next one. How are we doing so far? Six people thought it was good so far. Here we go. <laughs> Self-control. A fruit of the Spirit is a natural self-control. As easy as a banana on a banana tree, a fruit on a fruit tree, a pecan on a pecan tree, and pasta on a pasta tree. <laughs> self-control. All the lusts of the flesh we read a minute ago were people out of control. 
And maybe you sense a little out of control in your life. The answer to the out of control is being led by the Spirit and He brings self-control. There are many people who, and I'm included, who once drifted certain ways. You just had almost like a natural inkling to want and desire all these things. The Holy Spirit, and this is the only way I know how to describe it, has the ability to change your desires and change, I love this phrase, to change your taste buds. As easy as one day, you just loved it. This is where you went, this is what you loved. The Holy Spirit just changes you. Let me show you a few things on on, on self-control. Proverbs says this, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and broken into and left without walls. Dogs come in, dogs come out. Pirates come in, pirates go out. Raiders come in, raiders go out. And a man without self-control will be attacked on every possible way. And the answer is not for you to just go, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm throwing things away. No, you can't fix you. It is confessing that you need a Savior. And it is stepping into the fullness of the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. Titus 1 verse 8 says this, but, but hospitable, but a hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. First, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. You don't have to, we're on our last one. For God gave us, did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control some of you are in the room and you go I don't I can't change I can't change you can't change you but the moment that you submit to the Holy Spirit and it becomes our culture and our family parents you can't fix your kids but you can turn and say are, are you walking in the flesh or are you walking in the spirit and they'll go, oh, don't preach to me. Uh, no, 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 no. You came to me with this problem. And you came to me like I was going to fix you. I can't fix you, kiddo. I can love you. I can be here for you. And I can be here for you by saying, are you walking in the flesh or are you walking in the spirit? Are you walking in the flesh? You answer me right now. <laughs> or are you walking in the spirit? And it's not just you having a conversation with them. It's the Holy Spirit having a conversation with their heart. And eventually, they will be able to say, I am walking in the flesh. And I want to walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 24 says this, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. And it's passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let's let's also walk in the Spirit. I hope you enjoyed today. Um, I thought it'd be a good idea to practice this fun thing. There's two things I want to close with. Can you imagine in your home if there was a culture of honor to the Holy Spirit? 
Can you imagine in your home if there was a culture of conversation about the Holy Spirit? There's only two things you have to think about because there's only two decisions you have to make. There's only two decisions your family is making on a daily basis. Are you walking in the flesh or are you walking in the Spirit? Every argument, every dissension, every toxic situation, every addiction, every situation, if you want change and Holy Spirit is saying, come on, trust me in this, the question I think has to be evident in a culture, a family culture, that really wants change is you can stop every situation and just ask, okay, are we walking in the flesh or are we walking in the Spirit right now? Are we walking in the flesh or are we walking in the Spirit? And it is as obvious as the address to your house. Are we walking in the flesh or are we walking in the Spirit? Heather, it's so good about turning to me and saying, Ty, are you walking in the flesh or are you walking in the Spirit? I'm like, I'm the pastor. What do you think I'm doing? And she goes, I'm not asking Pastor Ty right now. I'm asking Ty, the husband I married. Are you walking in the flesh or are you walking in the Spirit? And I've had to repent. I've had to turn around and recognize some stuff. Families are really good at sweeping things under the table. Let's not deal with it. Let's not talk about it. But just because you swept it under the table doesn't mean it goes anywhere. And it takes courage to be led by the Spirit to say, okay, there's some healing that has to take place in this home. So I want to be the first one to say, I have walked in the flesh. And it's hurt some people in this family. But I want to confess to you first and foremost, I'm ready to walk in the Spirit. And my first act of walking in the Spirit is to apologize for the things that have hurt some people in this home. And you now all have permission to ask me two questions. Am I walking in the flesh or am I walking in the Spirit? And if I don't answer, I'm walking in the Spirit, then I want you to stop me and talk to me until I finally recognize I didn't choose the Holy Spirit. I didn't choose life. And our family is going to be better at choosing the Spirit over the flesh. I think one of the things that we have to think about, and this is the last and final thing, I think our family culture should start celebrating the fruits of the Spirit. The next time someone takes a leap of faith and does something because they feel like the Holy Spirit's led them to do it, Apologize. Go help someone. Be kind to someone. Be patient. Wait on the Lord. Someone should pull them aside and I then say, I saw it. Well done. Well done. I saw everything in you. Be anxious and upset and want this to happen faster. And I watched you get in the spirit and go, I will trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not on my own understanding, but in all of my ways acknowledge Him and He will direct my paths. And I saw the peace that passes all understanding flow into your heart, kiddo. And I want to be the first one to say congratulations. Because here's why I tell you why celebration is so much in your family when it comes to the fruits of the Spirit. What you celebrate gets repeated. 
And if we don't celebrate the fruits of the Spirit in our home, it will be harder to do it around the people we're living with. Celebrate it. Encourage it. Ask it often. Cowboy Junction, thank you for helping me get this church out on time today. You can all make the Dallas Cowboy game. Congratulations. Because you helped me out so much today, I've got a pretzel with caramel and chocolate waiting for you out there. It's delicious. And before you go, I want you to know, I think we should stop and bathe this in prayer. So if you would just bow your heads. Sweet Holy Spirit, we come to you. Sweet, sweet Holy Spirit, thank you. And all over this place are people who are battling the flesh, but we're choosing to walk in the Spirit. And I want to, they've just been on my heart, they've been on my radar all week, and I want to speak life and a blessing over them, even our online campus. So Lord, I pray that you would hear our prayers we're about to pray, and that you would lead us into the family culture of being led by the Spirit. So everybody with your head bowed and eye closed, can I just kind of see who I've been praying for all week long? If you're in this room and you would say, I, I have been walking in the flesh, but I am ready to walk in the Spirit of the living God. Would you have the courage of just raising your hands? Don't look up, just raise your hand. Let me know who I'm talking to. Yeah, all over this place. There's unforgiveness in my heart. I, I, it's hard to have patience, kindness, self-control. Yeah, all over this place. Come on, is there anybody else you'd raise your hand and say, I'm, I'm too good at walking in the flesh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Father, I pray for every person who has raised their hand. And now, Lord, right here in this moment, underneath every one of their breath, they're praying, Holy Spirit, I surrender to you. Holy Spirit, lead me. Crucify my flesh so that I can walk in the Spirit. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself in me like I've never known before. Holy Spirit, guide my steps. Make me the man, the woman that you want me to be. And today, Heavenly Father, I pray a blessing over this prayer. And I pray, Father, that you would do what only you can do. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's worship the Lord.